This is a CBC Podcast. Hey, AC here. The Doc Project will not be coming back in the fall. So, this summer, we're bringing you some of our favorite episodes since the show began back in 2015. This episode originally aired in October of 2019. I'm nine years old. Rick is eight. We're sitting around a campfire at summer camp, and this old woman, she's probably my age now, is telling ghost stories. There were eight or nine of us kids sitting around, but then she got onto the story of the lost gold mine of Pitt Lake, and our ears perked up. Hey, I'm AC Rowe. This is The Doc Project. That is Brian. So I'm Brian Antonson. And this is Brian's younger brother, Rick. Rick Antonson, a year younger than brother Brian. They're in their 70s now. Both of them have thick, white hair. But that night, decades ago, was the first time Brian and Rick heard a story that still fills them with the starry-eyed imagination of little boys sitting around a campfire. The legend of the lost gold mine of Pitt Lake. Well, it was the magic of the old fisher's wife and the campfire and it getting dusk and her husband cleaning the fish that we boys had caught that day. And then when she talked about it, she actually said that there was a, an indigenous man who had apparently lost this gold, was hung for a murder, and put a curse on it. So the curse captivated us. The story is more commonly known as the legend of Slumax Gold. Brian and Rick have been obsessed with Slumax Gold for most of their lives. Back in the 70s, they co-authored with their friend, Mary Trainer a book called Slumax Gold, The Search for a Legend. And they've updated it a few times since, adding new clues they've uncovered. Because they've never stopped searching. But does it even exist? And if it does, can we find it? Producer Brad Bedelt lives in Vancouver, about an hour's drive from Pitt Lake. He first heard about the legend when he read Brian and Rick's book. Brad is going to take it from here. Let's start at the beginning, with the man known only as Slumac. Here's Brian and Rick again, describing what we know, or at least what we think we know. So Slumac would have been reportedly around 80 years old uh, in uh, the 18, late 1880s. Uh, he had a wife, he had a daughter. We know of those people from history. Uh, Slumac was a Catesy First Nations guy, lived at Addington Point on the west side of Pitt River, between the Pitt River Bridge, today's Pitt River Bridge, and Pitt Lake. According to the legend, every summer, Slumac would hike into the mountains around Pitt Lake, the lake that's at the heart of this legend. Months later, he'd come back with gold, lots of it. Slumac would arrive in New Westminster with a sack full of gold, and he'd throw it around the saloons and all that sort of thing. And um, people would, you know, he loved to watch the, the, the white guys scramble for, uh, for the gold nuggets. And then he would disappear again looking for gold. Then the story gets murkier. In 1891, Slumac shot a man. 
Some believe that was in self-defense. But not long after, he was found guilty of murder and hanged. It was a big news story at the time. And as the story goes, while Slumak was standing on the scaffold, waiting to be hanged, he muttered a curse. Nika Memlus, mine Memlus. Nika Memlus, mine Memlus. The words are from the indigenous language Chinook. Which in the rough interpretation meant, when I die, the mine dies. That was embellished to mean that anyone who ever found it would themselves die. There's no proof that Slumak actually said those words. News reports at the time don't mention it. But this so-called curse, when I die, the mine dies, it's become a big part of the legend. And the thing with this legend is, people actually believe it. Rick and Brian, they believe it. They still think that Slumak's gold exists. For both of them, there are just too many clues, too many stories over the years to brush it off as folklore. And Rick and Brian aren't the only ones who believe. Since Slumak's time, hundreds, maybe even thousands of prospectors have gone searching for this gold mine. Some even claim to have found it and left behind cryptic notes describing the location, but more on that later. And then there are those who died looking for this gold. Well, the telly done by sort of mainstream media over the years, they, they dropped off doing the telly maybe maybe. 30, 40 years ago, but at that point it was 33 or more that were listed, named, as having fallen victims to the curse. The area where the gold is supposedly located is dangerous country. Cold, wet, foggy, full of steep mountains and ravines. A few years ago, the local search and rescue put out a warning advising people to stop searching for Slumax gold. But even today, people are still going out there. For these modern-day searchers, Rick and Brian's book, it's like a gospel. It was that book that got me hooked on this story in the first place. The whole thing is like something out of an Indiana Jones movie. Almost too crazy to be true. For Brian and Rick, their searching days are mostly done. But they're still part of a small community of people actively looking for the gold. The next generation, you might say. They swap clues on message boards, share trip reports. And there's always something new, always something interesting. And always somebody who says, I've been in the mine. No, they haven't. But okay, let's continue with the conversation and see what we can learn from them. Talking with these two brothers, it's hard to believe they've been at this for so long. Over 60 years now. And they're no closer to solving the mystery. It was Brian and Rick who connected me with a guy who has taken this search for the lost mine to a whole different level. The guy who says he's close to finding it. That sound right now, that's a helicopter. We'll get to the helicopter, but first I need to back up to Adam. So yeah, this is, you know, the old gold pan. Um, They didn't have sluice, you know, well, they had sluice boxes, but they didn't have sluice. This is Adam. I was first introduced to Slumax Gold when uh, I had a great uncle give me a book. Uh, it was a book called Lost Gold Mines and Treasures. That's not Brian and Rick's book. And I started uh, flipping through this book and looking at the closest gold mine or the closest lost treasure I could get to at that age. And uh, I flipped the pages and uh, I came to Pit Lake. And uh, as you know, the lost gold mine of Pit Lake 
kind of showed up on a page and I'm like, well, hey, I live close by that. That's totally reach. I can get there. And that's where it started. Adam Palmer has probably spent more time than anyone searching for Slumax Gold. And he kind of looks the part. He's 39 with a stubbly beard and tattooed arms, Indiana Jones in a flannel shirt. We meet at his home in Chilliwack, an hour east of Vancouver, where he lives with his wife and two kids. You know, you read books and you're, well, you're 12, 13 years old. You're not really mobile yet. Basically, you can only go where a BMX can take you. Um, but, uh, I t- you know, we t- 16 years old, high school. And sure enough, you know, I, looking through these books and the time came, we, uh, I got a friend and uh, we took a road trip. And our first road trip was going through all these places that we found in this book. And out of them all, we started at Pitt Lake. Um, that's the one that kind of, I kind of... Uh, held close to and I and I knew that was the most mysterious one because you had all these other stories that went with it and I thought you know what if there's gold in Pit Lake I'm gonna find it. After high school Adam's searches got more elaborate. He learned how to rock climb and how to cross glaciers. He became an outdoor survival expert. About 10 years ago Adam started doing a big expedition every summer looking for Slumax gold near Pit Lake. He'd study maps and journals from old prospectors then he'd spend weeks at a time tracking down a lead, only to come back empty-handed. But Adam has pulled back into the mountains again and again. And the thing is, these trips into the bush aren't about striking it rich. Not anymore, at least. The area where Slumax gold is supposedly hidden, a lot of it is in provincial parks. Pinecone Burke and Golden Ears Provincial Parks, established back in the 1960s. That means mining is prohibited, So even if someone does find the lost gold, they won't be able to dig it out. For Adam, it's all about the thrill of the hunt, the glory of solving a mystery that no one else has ever been able to. So if someone finds this gold, you are now, you know, the hero of a bunch of, you know, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 year old men that have been looking for this lost gold mine for so many years. I think it would be great. Adam says he'd be fine if someone beats him to the gold, but he's also very confident that won't happen. If someone were to ask me, do you think someone else is going to find it? No, I don't think anyone else will. No one, I I have seen very few people that have all the skill sets necessary to actually find this gold and keep going on it. Uh, I've seen a lot of people try for, you know, one season, two seasons, and then give up. But after all these years of searching, of dead ends and endless bushwhacking, Adam thinks he's finally getting close. It happened last summer when him and his friend Evan were out for six weeks. We found something uh, significant that we think that this might be the location. It matches all the, the these clues and the stories. It matches all the reports of old newspapers. It matches old journals of prospectors. What they found was an abandoned prospector's cabin, along with some old mining tools. They also found a glass jar with bits of rock inside with what looked to be gold. If there's a smoking gun in the Slumax Gold story, this might be it. It just matches it too perfectly to be anything other than what people I think are referring to as the lost gold mine of Pit Lake. And this is the place we're going tomorrow. Adam is taking me with him on a helicopter trip to see these clues with my own eyes on the ground. Adam is also a helicopter tour guide so he's taking the chop road on his day off. For Adam, this could be the moment he's been waiting for. My only concern? The curse, of course. 
Should I be worried tomorrow? You, you know what? You stay right with me. You'll be fine. <laughs> hey, Adam. Hey, Brad. How you doing? Good. How are you? Yeah. You ready? This is the helicopter? Okay, back to the helicopter. It's clear skies and sunny, a perfect day to fly, which is good because I'm a nervous flyer at the best of times. We soar over snow-capped mountains, steep ravines, and what seems like endless forest. Half an hour later, thankfully, we land. All right, we're here. Welcome to the Golden Mountains. Beside a small turquoise lake surrounded by jagged cliffs. We're only 50 kilometers from downtown Vancouver, but it feels like we're in the middle of nowhere. Where the heck are we right now? So we're actually in a location where this prospector, uh, back in the 60s and, and early 70s, he was on the search for Slumax Gold. That prospector's name was Bernard Rover. And no, I didn't invent that name. Like a lot of searchers, Rover nearly fell victim to the Slumac curse. In 1971, he was rescued, actually, and it's a documented case. He actually had a stroke. He tried to hike out from here. He was rescued by two prospectors coming up from Pitt Lake. Let's go check it out. I mean, I could see why he would want to live up here for months, but, you know, also back in the day... Adam learned all this through his own research. He learned, too, that Rover spent months up here. And for a prospector to spend that much time in one place... Adam thinks he must have been on to something. You know, for, for them to be up in here, there must have been something. It takes us about 10 minutes of hiking to find the cabin. All that's left of it are four big logs arranged in a rectangle. The mining tools that Adam found are here too, an old shovel and a chisel. Yeah, so get this. So then, when Evan and I first found this, this cabin, we're like, okay, this is awesome. But there's one other clue here that Adam is even more excited about. But then it even gets crazier. You've got to see this rock. Everything is aligned in this site. So, you know, according to the Jackson letter that I have here... Adam you know, just mentioned the Jackson letter. It's one of the biggest clues in the whole Slumac legend. The letter was written in the early 1900s by another dying prospector, this one named Jackson, who had supposedly found Slumac's gold. But Jackson couldn't carry it all out. It was too much gold. So he buried some under a tent-shaped rock. Then he wrote to a friend describing where to find it. Basically, it describes that, you know, this place is well guarded by surrounding ridges and mountains, and it should not be found for many years. And, you know, he, sa- he describes it that there is, you know, there's these three peaks above it, and then there's a tent-shaped rock, and he buried some of the gold by the tent-shaped rock. And there the rock, the ten-shaped rock he describes, has an X cut out on it. And if you come down here, I'll show you this rock. The rock we look at is, well, vaguely ten-shaped, just like the Jackson letter described. But what makes this rock crazy is that there is a chunk cut out of it. And you can tell somehow that the ground was disturbed a long time ago right below it, which gives me reason possibly that something is buried underneath it. Now if you come over on this side. Depending on where I stand, it does look like a tent. A giant pup tent, about 10 feet high, sort of triangular shaped, with what looks like an X on one side. The thing is, there are hundreds of rocks out here that look tent shaped, but still, it's hard not to get excited. It's interesting how well it lines up with, and wasn't there mention of a little, a tiny stream next to the tent shaped rock? 
Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's Interesting. You're sucking me into this legend, Adam. <laughs> Good. We need all the help we can get. For Adam, this is as close as he's ever gotten to solving this mystery. And his enthusiasm is contagious. Adam's plan is to come back later in August. That's when he'll, as he puts it, dig deeper. For now, though, we get back into the helicopter. I'll have to wait another few weeks to find out what Adam discovers. By this point, I feel like I've caught gold fever myself. The stars seem to be aligning for Adam. Slumax's gold seems within reach. I need a reality check. My name is uh, Fred Prakkers. Hold on, I hadn't started yet. <laughs> but I'm just, I was just trying, you okay? Just, <laughs> That's when I reach out to Fred Prakkers. I am uh, getting uh, old in age, 89. Will, I will be next, uh, next month. For all the people who believe in Slumax Gold, there are others who think it's a hoax. Fred is one of those. And it's clear he's had a lot of fun over the years finding ways to poke holes in this tale. My approach is from a historian rather than a storyteller. Fred has spent years pouring through library archives and digging up old police files. He recently published a book called Searching for Pit Lake Gold, Facts and Fantasies in the Legend of Slumac. Fred doesn't dispute that Slumac was a First Nations man who lived near Pit Lake, but that's about where it ends. Now, Sluma, first of all, had nothing to do with, uh, with the gold. The whole lost gold mine story? Fred thinks it was made up by locals to attract prospectors to the area. More prospectors basically meant more jobs for locals near Pitt Lake on the Katsi First Nation. The Katsi First Nations had a great interest in getting people to the lake. They were the guides. They had been doing this constantly for anyone who went hunting or fishing, etc. Now, gold was another element, another group of people who were interested to go there. To keep the interest going huh, is to tell and repeat the story of the gold of Pit Lake. And that is how, slowly but certainly, Slumach got connected to the gold because the KC never, never said, no, it's not true. Hmm. But what about the so-called Jackson letter? The one written by the dying prospector that described burying gold under a tent-shaped rock. Now, the problem with, with Jackson is that he never existed at all. There is no proof of his existence. So do you think someone fabricated the letter? Because the letter exists, yeah? No, the, the letter does not exist. There are, uh, let me say it that way, of course it exists. Somebody created the letter and it must have existed. It is not one letter. There are many, many, many copies of it. They pop up in the East, etc., all telling about the same story, perhaps written by each other, perhaps enhanced. Hmm. According to Fred, though, some stories do check out, at least partly. Volcanic Brown, for example. Volcanic. He is a real man. Volcanic Brown, quite the name, eh? Was a well-known prospector back in the 1920s. He had done so well for himself that he had, wait for it, Gold teeth. He died while searching for Slumax gold, and his body was never found. According to Fred, that part actually checks out, but there's no evidence he ever found gold. And by Fred's count, only five people have ever died searching for Slumax gold, not the dozens that some newspapers have reported. 
But why, I wondered. Why would such an elaborate hoax persist for decades? Because it's a lovely tale. It is a wonderful story. Logic has nothing to do with it. What it is, is are they convinced? They are just as convinced as you and I when we buy a lottery ticket that one day we will win. Of course, our chances are minimal. But nevertheless, we buy. So that is the whole thing. What people want to believe in will happen. There is no gold. But there is gold in somebody's mind, and that is important. I meet up with Adam again a couple weeks after speaking with Fred. Adam had spent a week in August searching for the gold. We had seven days, six nights in this area. He went back to the same place he had showed me, the place with the prospector's cabin, where he was sure that Slumax gold was hidden. We set up camp right in this high alpine area. The map that Adam shows me, it's actually six maps taped together. Each time he searched for Slumax gold, he's drawn his route on the map with black marker. After 10 years of searching, the maps are literally crosshatched with lines. But I have to admit, after talking to Fred, I'm a bit more skeptical now. Adam's fixation reminds me a bit of Captain Ahab and his search for Moby Dick. But in this case, maybe the whale doesn't exist. Well, you can see the creek. You can see the creek coming down. I first panned the lower section. I wasn't getting anything. Um, I noticed the rock showing more kind of mineralization the further I got up. So I started panning, actually, I literally panned by our base camp. And that's when he found it. I think I swore. <laughs> Gold in his pan, flakes of it. I, I, I don't know if I could repeat what I, to be honest, I wanted uh, to take pictures of it right away because I thought I was going to drop it. <laughs> his immediate reaction was to run back to the tent where his prospecting partner was still sleeping. Adam started banging his gold pan, and his partner, he didn't get it at first. He grumbled about being woken up. Why was I gold panning when I should have been boiling water to make coffee? <laughs> so I didn't, I, but I showed him, yeah, and I, I put it in a little vial, and actually I, I didn't get, some of it I dropped. He found gold for the first time ever. And finding gold in the stream means that it's coming from somewhere nearby. This was one of the first trips where I kind of sat back and I, you know, I thought to myself, it's, it's too good to be true. Like everything lines up. Everything that I've read about the legend for the last, you know, 10, 15 years, everything matches this location. Every, every, everything, right down to the little detail. Adam spent the rest of the week searching the area. He explored the rock faces nearby, looking for signs of gold. But one day led to another and then the week was over. His time was up. How'd that feel when you had to get back on the helicopter? It was horrible. Things turned cold and wet. Adam had hoped to go back in September, but it didn't happen. It's not the mountains, it's not the cliffs, it's the weather. Fall settled in, and so did the clouds and fog. For now, his search was done. You were so close. You know, part... I, th- I think I, wa- I think I was closer than close. I think I think we found it. I think this is this is the site. But until Adam or someone else finds the actual gold, Slumac's story will remain just a legend. Adam has plans to go back, 
When we last talked in September, he was already plotting his next trip. I'll go back anytime. I think it's just a matter of getting the right people together. That's how close I think we are to this legend. For now, it seems like a fitting end. This is how the story of Slumax Gold has always gone. Close, but never quite there. I asked Adam how he would feel if he never finds the gold. Would it have been worth all the effort? If all of a sudden in 2009 and Evan and I, you know, we went looking for the lost gold mine and we found the gold mine right away, that would have been the worst because that would be it. You know, the first year on an expedition and what do we have at the end? Well, we have one year of, you know, one year, one trip, one year of memories. Now we have 10 years up to this point. You know, we have 10 years of memories, 10 years of maps, 10 years of photos, 10 years of videos, all looking for this lost gold mine. And you know what, to add to that, maybe add another 10 years, add another 20 years. To me, that's the real gold. That's how Brian and Rick feel too. They're planning to make one more trip to Pit Lake, to look for gold one last time. Or maybe just to retell the story they first heard more than 60 years ago. We want to get into the area and kind of ponder it. We've thought about taking along the, the um, youngest of the, the new generation the uh, grandkids and uh, sitting around a campfire and retelling the story that Brian and I first heard in the 1950s and seeing what it does to uh, an eight-year-old and an 11-year-old now. Does it spark them to get closer to the campfire because you get scared as we were and you want that comfort and security? Or does it embolden you to say, one day I'm going to go looking for the lost gold mine at Pitt Lake? That story was produced by Brad Bedelt. It was edited and mixed by Julia Poggle. On our website, we have a photo of the tent rock, so you can decide for yourself exactly how tent-like it is. You can find that and more at cbc.ca slash docproject. And if you were hoping to try your hand at finding the gold, maybe you'll see Adam out there. He has continued his search since we first aired this doc back in 2019. And he says he is more excited than ever to get back out on the trail this summer. This episode of The Doc Project was produced by Julia Poggle, Allison Cook, and me. Althea Manassen is our digital producer. Our senior producer was Jennifer Warren. I'm AC Rowe. Happy prospecting. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.